0: we
1: Thank you.
2: we Thank you. So Praise
3: the Lord! Good to welcome you to the second of our marriage, our, our relationship. We had a great time, and hope to have well a great time Good morning. Good to see you it's here in the house of the Lord, and for those who have joined. I'm glad you're to join us. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to get right into it. We're going to get into seeing what the Lord has to do. Will you stand with me and will you pray with us? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, thou art our God. We're grateful and we're thankful for another day. You woke us up, you started us on our way, you kept us in our right minds, and Lord, we're grateful that we can come together one time. We have held ourselves under your banner, under your authority, and oh God, we ask that you will pour into us this morning what you want, that Lord, we can be the best version of ourselves that you designed us to be. I pray the help of your spirit this morning for each and every one of us, that you will help me articulate, to speak clearly and directly according to the word of God and the spirit of God into the hearing of your people. Every one of us here this morning, allow us to hear with understanding, allow us to hear with clarity, and allow us to hear that we can implement, we can begin to do the things that we hear. Father, I pray that this day, Lord God, will be a record in heaven of something amazing, miraculous and wonderful. That you will do in each and every one of us, that Lord, we will continue on to, vict- to victory, to victory in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We give you honor. We give you praise for all these things. We pray in Jesus' name. Somebody say Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Okay, let's get into what we will talk about today. Last night we talked about mister Fixit Fix-It and Mrs. Improvement. Mr. Fix-It and Mrs. Improvement. And basically, if you understand, man, that you are a mister Fixit, Fix-It. And woman, if you understand that you are a Mrs. Improvement, we have a good starting point. Woman is always trying to improve something. Man is always trying to fix something. It's in their DNA. It's in their nature. And so the two needs to understand that about themselves and about each other and do their very best to work together for the good of their marriage. So if you want to hear more about Mr. Fix-It and Mrs. Improvement, go and review our message from last night. Today, we're going to talk about marriage killers and marriage builders. Marriage killers and marriage builders. Um I gave Sister Josephine a hard time last night when um she said she wanted to write down um uh, uh, questions. If you have questions, you want to write them down. I gave her a hard time. I still feel that way, but you know some of you are always just you know hard to get out of you um and And I told her if you'd like to write questions, go ahead and write questions and submit them. I'll take them, and that's fine. Um But you know, there are some things um, I've learned um, as a Christian that I try to implement now that sister Josephine, the old school, they hold tight to. There are certain things old school hold tight to, and that's fine. But some of it that have held tight to to me, it have hindered us. And one of the things that I always try to get going that I will always try to get going in this church is transparent communication. In every way, because I'll eventually talk about this one day um, about how we allow our hurts and our pain to be a stumbling block to us. And Jesus hurt and pain was a blessing to us. And so we're living not like the Lord want us to live. When we go through stuff and it causes hurt and it causes pain, it's supposed to bring glory to God as we keep living our life. So whatever we have experienced that brought about hurt and pain, we ought to use it to help someone. Just like Jesus used his hurt and pain that today we can be healed. Today we can be delivered from sin. Today we can receive strength because his pain and his hurt help us we should do the same with our lives and guess what he wasn't crucified in a corner he was crucified openly so my way of living for god is being as transparent as i can and that include personal that include marriage that include raising children that include living for god that include my everyday life doesn't matter to me I try to be as transparent as possible because I, will, I want to really be the best version of myself. And I realize what I've gone through can help someone else. So this is why I try to live that way. Now, I understand if you don't want to get there or that's not just you're not there yet or it's not comfortable for you, I understand that. And so you can do it differently, but I choose to do it the way I do it because it has helped me. And it helped me walk all the time with my head up and never feeling any kind of way because I realized that you, you, I am my hardest critic. No one, no one will criticize me more than me. I'm my hardest critic. So by the time I tell you what I've been through and what hurt me, guess what? I've dealt with it already. And so when I'm telling it to you, it's, it's OK for me because I've dealt with it already. And so I'm not worried about what anyone says and what anyone does. I just try to deal with my issues and try to hopefully share them with you so they will help you. So if you have questions and you're not comfortable asking them out loud, write them down, slip them somewhere and get them to me. Um, maybe even not even today, but some other time you can um, give us your questions. We have a Dropbox over there. So if you ever want to write questions down, write them down, put them in there. We'll check that box over there and we'll keep it moving. All right. Marriage killers and builders. Let me tell you about 12 marriage killers, 12 marriage killers. Number one. Overcommitment and physical exhaustion. Overcommitment. And physical exhaustion, overcommitment and physical exhaustion. When you commit yourself to too many things, it will exhaust you, and you will be so exhausted that whenever your spouse would like for you to do something, you can't get it done because you are exhausted. Because you have overcommitted yourself to so many other things. So you have to put in perspective and priority what is the most important. And the most important is your spouse. Anyone that's trying to please God, your relationship with God and your relationship with your spouse is the first and second most important relationship in your life. Your relationship with God. And your relationship with your spouse first and second, most important relationships in your life. So you don't want to overcommit yourself to the point where when it's time for you to have relations, spend time, have conversations, whatever it is with your spouse, that you're just exhausted. So overcommitment and physical exhaustion is a marriage killer. Number two, marriage killer. Excessive credit and conflict over how money. Excessive credit and conflict over how money will be spent. Marriage killer. Got to get that under control. Again, remember what I said last night. Most couples never sat down. And establish a goal for their life, for their marriage, and just talk about the direction that they're going in. And because you don't have a goal, what happens is you both are going in different direction. You're not agreeing. You're not one. And that becomes a conflict. So one might have a different idea about credit and how the money is spent from the other. You have to get that in control because if that's not in control... That's a marriage killer. Selfishness. Maybe that should have been at the top. Selfishness is a marriage killer. If you are married and the only thing you can think about is yourself. That's a marriage killer. If you're married and all you worry about is how you feel, what you think. That's a marriage killer. You have to be selfless when you get married. You have to be selfless when you get married. I know the perfect scenario is when you're married, that you're thinking about your spouse how you can make them happy, and they're doing the same regarding you. That's when marriage is really good. when you're saying, "Man, I always want to make my spouse happy, and you're just constantly doing things to that you know will make your spouse happy, and you do the things that you know make your spouse happy, so you do that and your spouse do the same for you. That's when a marriage is in harmony and it's working well. But selfishness, doing you and what you like and and always worrying about your feelings, that is being selfish and that is a marriage killer. Interference from in-laws is a marriage killer. Interference from in-laws is a marriage killer. If you're an in-law, Try to do your best to let the young people work their marriage out. Don't give them advice unless they come to you for advice. Only time you're giving them advice is if you feel like the Lord has guided you, spoken to your heart to give them advice. But don't go trying to give the younger folks, your, your, your daughter-in-law, your son-in-law advice because the bottom line is they need to figure it out. You have to figure yours out. Let them figure theirs out. And remember I told you last night, every marriage is unique. Every marriage has its own DNA. So because your marriage worked a certain way, it doesn't, marriage, your, it doesn't mean your kid's marriage will work like yours. It doesn't work that way. So you have to let them figure it out. All you want to always do is say, listen, you know I'm here if you need anything. If you want to talk about anything, you know I'm here. You always put that out there, but you leave them alone and let them do what they do because, you know, that's not, you know, you don't want to get involved that way. And for uh, those young people that are married, um, you can't run to your your, your mom or your dad and and complain about your your spouse because the Bible tells the man to leave and cleave and it tells the woman to reverence your husband. So when the two get married, you got to leave the the in-laws or the parents out of it so you can learn on your own. Remember this. You ever notice this whenever someone gets saved? Whenever you're getting saved, whenever you're in the process of being saved, normally you're on your own with that. You, you normally, you know, you're not. Um, there's there, there's not. Where. All of us wilderness experience when we get saved. So you get saved and all of a sudden you don't find yourself around the people you used to be around and you kind of find yourself doing different things than what you used to do. And so you kind of. Because all of us. It's like how you with the Lord by yourself to grow and to know him during your conversion and still after your conversion. Those that get married need their time to themselves to learn and grow within their marriage. Uh, Unrealistic expectations. Those are marriage killers. Unrealistic expectations don't have And remember what I've always told you, that disappointment is usually on you, not the other person. A lot of times we're upset with people and and we're hurt by what we think they did. And it has nothing to do with those individuals that usually has something to do with you because you had unrealistic expectations or you had expectations that you shouldn't have had. just don't want to believe it. And so when they don't measure up to the, the, the they're
1: just being and if you
3: like for your spouse to take the garbage out. And always the morning of, and sometimes the truck comes 7 a.m., sometimes the truck comes 9 a.m. When the truck comes 9 a.m., he rushes out and gets it out in time. But when the truck comes 7 a.m., he's already gone or whatever and never woke up, didn't get to it, and all that stuff. And this has been going on constantly. Constantly. And then you decide that day you've had enough and you get worked up. When did he get de- out in time? When did? He never did. You had expectation that this is the day that he will get up early and get the. a matter of fact, this is the day he will do it late at night so he won't have to worry about rushing in the morning. Mrs. Improvement is trying to improve on the brothers. <laughs> you you miss it dep- depending on what time they come. Oh man! So so we 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 we've been married. I don't know how many years for many of us the different times of marriage. And you're in the marriage, and that's been going on for like eight years. And all of a sudden today, oh today is going to be different. And then when it's not, you got an attitude walking around mad. Second? Sometimes it's a what? Oh. That's a whole different story that we're not going to really probably have time to go down. Okay? But this is this is this is this is all I will say for that. Whenever you feel like you did something wrong, whether it's hormone or whether it's just you was just upset or whatever it is, try not to make them be a whole lot of times. But whenever you do it, hormone or no hormone, find some time to go over to the man and give him words of affirmation. Honey, you're awesome and you're wonderful to put up with me because I know sometimes I'm just crazy things. I don't mean to all the time. Uh, I'm not going to blame it on hormone by you saying that you saying that. But I'm not going to blame it on hormone, but I'm just saying I do crazy things sometimes, honey. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. I'm sorry. And you move on. And you move on. The problem is when you never say anything about it, keep on doing it. Space. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Yes. Yes, unrealistic, unrealistic expectations, no matter how it goes, whichever one it comes from. Be careful of the, uh, the, the expectations that you have of each other. Okay? And here is, here. remember, this keeps going back to this, but I feel like we can't miss this. If you had the discussion of goals, you won't have unrealistic expectations. Here is uh, what we do in, in corporate America and probably every place else that um, a job you know, allows you to train. When you are going to reprimand an employee, Brother D, if you never gave them the handbook and they never signed off on the employee handbook, you can't hold them responsible for something that they did. Right? So, a lot of times we're trying to hold our spouses responsible. I'm not saying they shouldn't do it or it's not a part of what makes marriage good. I'm just saying you've never seen them do it. So, something needs to ring in your mind like, okay, they're not up on that. There's something missing there that they're not doing that. So, maybe you need to have a conversation about that at some point in time. Pillow talk. You missed that from last night. Have that conversation pillow talk. That's when you tell him or her that I know, you know, oftentimes you just kind of casual about this. And I understand. But what I would like is to, since this goes right along with the goals that we've set, how about we figure out how we can make sure we get this done every week or every other day or whatever the case may be. And you go from there. And so now. You do have a reasonable uh, expectation because, guess what? You've talked about it. You've set a goal about it. But if you never have a reasonable expectation, if you never talked about it, set a goal about it, what are well, you getting all worked up for?
1: A lot of times that happens when when, uh, when people say, well, you see how I am, you know how I am, so you sort of expect that's what you're going to get. See, sometimes people don't talk to each other. They just, you know, actually speak louder in words. Mm-hmm. So people say, "Well, you see how I am. You know how I am. So you, why, why do you expect something different?"
3: Yeah, that that's not a good. That's that, that. I'll I'll get to that because because remember, we're talking about marriage killers and marriage builders. We're just dealing with the killers right now. I'll deal with the builders in a second. Okay, I'll deal with the builders in a second. But it's still not right. That when you don't do right, you say, well, you know how I am, especially if you're a Christian, especially if you're a Christian. You should never say when you do wrong, well, you know how I am not good as a Christian. You're right. Not doing good in that area. And I need to do better. We need to be good at that. I'm telling you, it is so important that we become transparent. And when you start living for God, it's so easy to be transparent. (laughs) When you're transparent with people, (laughs) depending on their position, you become an irritant to them. But if you keep on wanting to hide stuff and protect and defend stuff, it just makes your life just so much harder. What do I mean by you becoming irritant to people when you're transparent? Because they're going to realize that you're free. And they're not free. When you're transparent, people are going to realize that you are free. And if they're not transparent, that's going to irritate them because they're not free. Only the truth shall make you. Transparency is being truthful. When you're truthful, you're free. (laughs) But if you continue to just deflect, not talk about it, all you're doing is just heaping up a whole lot of weight on yourself. Just be transparent about it. It'll make you free. Great thing is, both spouses being transparent. They'll be free. Brother Henry, I guess Saturday mornings, Saturday mornings is, the, is, the, is when you talk. Nobody talked last night, really. All right, go ahead, Brother Henry. Brother Henry. Brother Henry. Brother Henry, watch, watch this, watch this, watch this.
1: Brother Henry, go
2: ahead. I, was, I just had a question. Um, if you if you know how the person is, and if you say certain things, it's gonna cause a problem. Then I'm, I'm thinking, why say it? I remember you 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 use an example one time, not an example. You use a scripture one time, long time ago. It said, dwell according to them. Uh, Knowledge. Husband dwell with wife according to knowledge. Right. So, that's what I'm. No, that's good. That's
3: that's a good question. So, again, we're talking about marriage killers. I will tell you about marriage builders. And so, the killers that we're talking about, obviously, these are things that will hurt your marriage or even destroy, kill your marriage. Uh, What do you do when the person always? Because some people. Unfortunately, um, I guess this is a harsh word, a, how, a harsh sounding word, but it's probably the best word that I can use. Some people are just ignorant. And I just say that word from a standpoint of they never listen and they just shoot back at you. As soon as you open your mouth to explain or say, they just shoot back at you. Those people are usually people. Watch this that are not growing. People that don't grow are ignorant. So when you realize that someone is not growing, all you can do is pray for opportunities to be an example to them. And you just have to, again, as a spouse, a woman of God or a man of God, this is what I always say. You just now have to say, God, whatever you need to do in me, do it in me, so my situation can help me to be a better me. Whatever you got to do in me, do it in me, so my situation can help me to be the best me I can be. You follow what I'm saying? So so you got to assess the situation first, that if if, if when you're talking— Now, I'm going to give you a marriage builder point that can help that situation. I'm going to give you a marriage builder point that can help that situation. So we'll get there. All right. Let me go back to the killers and finish them up. Space invaders. Space invaders. You don't want to have your space invaded. Uh, bringing someone to live in your home usually never a good thing it's invading your space Uh, your bedroom being used for anything else other than your bedroom space invaders don't allow space invaders don't allow your space to be invaded Heard a long time ago from ministers that try never to counsel at your house. Counsel someplace else. Your home is supposed to be your sacred place. Alcohol or substance abuse, obviously, are marriage killers. Alcohol and or substance abuse, marriage killers. Uh, alcohol or substance abuse, the act. uh, Sin as a whole, the act is because one is being selfish. So anytime you're doing things that is just squarely only for your satisfaction, somewhere there's probably sin. As a Christian, when you find yourself doing something just for your benefit somewhere, and there's probably sin. Got to be careful with that. Got to be careful with that. And I, I remember I told you, I don't know, Thursday night. I said. First impression is important. You never get a second chance to make a first impression. Very important. So. People don't like to hear this, especially uh, female gender, that when you get dressed, you're supposed to get dressed for Jesus, both male and female. (laughs) When you get dressed, you're supposed to get dressed for Jesus, not yourself. So every time the woman get mad when I say that, like, why can't I just wear whatever I want? I said, because you are not your own anymore. You've been bought with a price. So now you get dressed for Jesus. Man and woman get dressed for the Lord. What do you mean by that, preacher? Because every time we step out of our home, we're saying, am I? I am an ambassador of Christ and I'm on a mission right now and wherever I go, I'm allowing God to direct me and lead me and when I stand before someone, I represent Him. I don't know why we make these things so, it's so simple sometimes and we're just making a big, well, uh, when you are bought with a price, we just talked about Calvary, you're no longer yours. So when you get dressed, You get dressed for Jesus. The way how you look, you look like that for Jesus. Because you want to represent him at all times. So every time you hit your front door, you are saying, I'm a representative of heaven. I'm a representative of Jesus. So however you look, you represent him. It's just that simple. Yes, ma'am. Um, on that,
4: um, the Bible says it's a temporal so it's a spiritual. And if you notice, um, whenever somebody is gonna have an audience with the Queen of England, they gotta dress a certain way. Um, even if they normally don't dress that way with a hat and all of that, they norm. If you no- look at all the ladies, they have to dress with all that garment. So,
3: Sister Josephine, I say it all the time. And sometimes I don't spend time, and I'm not gonna. I, I pray to God that I don't become the old time preachers, and that's not talking bad about the old time preachers because they got us here, so it's not talking bad about the old, old. But I refuse to waste my time preaching over the pulpit how people are supposed to dress and what they're supposed. I don't have. To, it's too. It's it's trivial to me when it comes down to your walk with God. If you can't get that, that's basic. So if you can't work with that, that's between you and your God. You, 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 like you said, people go to court, they go before dignitaries, whatever it is, they go to a wedding, you can just name so many things that we understand, this event calls for me to look a certain way, were you looking for yourself or were you looking because the event called for it, but then you come to God and you want to make up, well, God, we I, I, we treat God so messed up, we we don't read people more than we honor God, oh drive me. Don't get me going down that road. We honor people more than we honor God. Oh, so and so is going to be there. So let me make sure I'm at my best. Oh, you know, everybody's going to be dressed to the nines. Let me, let me, let me. So you're doing it for you. And we don't realize that when you wake up in the morning and give God thanks and get him and, and thank him for starting you on your way and realize here's a great day, another opportunity to represent heaven here it is. I'm ready. Let me make sure I look the best that I can. Let me put my clothes on the right way. Let me make sure I, 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 I'm not stinking. I smell good. Everything is good. Let me make sure I look in the mirror enough to say, okay, God, is this pleasing? Okay, then here I go, Lord. Whatever you want to do with me today, do it, Lord. You just don't, pre- you just don't prepare your heart. You prepare everything to go represent Jesus. It's, it's To me, it's trivial, the stuff that we're worrying about. And unfortunately, Brother Henry, these are some of the things that you have to pick up when you look at people's life and realize, okay, I'm not going to say anything to them because if this is a big problem in their life, they can't handle this that I would say to them. You see what I'm saying? You can see if they're struggling with this little thing. In Christianity, I can't say this big thing to them because they will die. They gonna fight me because this they struggle with this. So you know what? Let me just keep loving them. And if the Lord ever give me an opportunity when their heart is tender toward me, I will try to help them. That's it. That's it. Pornography, gambling and other addictions are marriage killers. That goes without saying. Here's a big marriage killer. Lack of intimacy, loneliness, low self-esteem, and the greener grass syndrome called infidelity is a marriage killer. It is. Business failure can be a marriage killer. Business success can be a marriage killer. Getting married too young, marriage killer. Now, number nine is lack of intimacy, loneliness, low self-esteem, and the grass is greener syndrome called infidelity. Number nine is a mouthful. And this is not the time or place for me to get into detail about this, but I will say this. When there is infidelity, grass is greener on the other side, um, lack of intimacy, whatever the case may be. This is what I've known and and this way but I'm going to tell you I counsel this way when there is infidelity you really have a problem a lot of times with quote-unquote innocent party wanting you to understand I'm innocent they committed um infidelity usually when there's infidelity Don't give me, I always tell you all, don't give me the far and few in between cases that are not. Majority of the time when there's infidelity, both people are at fault, not one. But somehow, especially in Christendom, we always want to make it about, y'all don't want to come to me when that happens trying to make yourself look like you are you the one that was innocent i don't want to hear it. because usually when that happened both people are at fault and you don't get to hear that counseling enough and if that will get spoken enough maybe both people before they get to infidelity would do their jobs If both people will understand that relationship requires both of them to do their part. If they understand that, the chance of infidelity will go way, way down. But a lot of times in many marriages, one is pulling all the weight and the other is just not. And that can cause infidelity. Other times. We don't respond to each other's love languages. You missed that if you weren't here last night. And so, both people are usually at fault when there's infidelity. You know what? The, I would love to study, Brother Sharp, I'd love to study if I could. I don't know how you sit down and study this. What's the percentage of the cases where a spouse would not according to their mind. Because when you think that you're really good to your wife or your husband, chill. Chill. You will always say that about it. But if we can prove when a spouse is really good to their spouse, I'm not talking about according to their knowledge, according to what they think. but But just good according to the word of God. Just good according to what we know goodness is. I would love to know what the percentage are. Of infidelity in that marriage I would love to know that when there's really when, when a spouse is really being good to their spouse and that spouse is saying I know you're being they don't say it like this I know you're being good but I'm still going out and go do my thing that normally don't happen but we don't want to recognize what normally happen in these scenario is one is not really into relationship like relationship is supposed to other things but they're not into the relationship the way it's supposed to be and so the other one is missing something again back to those love languages so for instance if 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 one of the spouse love language is touch i like when you touch me but you don't like to touch there's a problem in the marriage there's a problem in the marriage you follow what I'm saying? But we don't talk about these things. We want to just say, well, if, if, you, if, if your love language is touched and, and you are not getting touched, tough. No, it's not tough. All of us can only carry a certain amount of weight, and after a while, it just breaks us down. So when you have your love language that you need, you've got to communicate that to your spouse like we said last night. You've got to sit down with them and say, honey, here are my love languages that I need in my life and vice versa. So we don't get to the place where somebody feel like I'm not getting what I need and they break. What they need is not what you think they should have. Find out from them what they need. And that's how you know what they need. Find out from them. Ask your husband, what are your love languages, honey? Ask your wife, what is your love language, honey? And when you know it, whether you like it or not, they just told you what they like. Remember, I tell people all the time, don't don't watch me drink Starbucks all the time and Christmas coming, you give me a Dunkin' Donuts um, gift card. That's just so silly. I, I say that all the time, but, but a, a lot of marriages are doing that. Well, you should like this. You should appreciate this. No! I told you last night. I don't know if this is fortunate or unfortunate for my wife. I don't need gifts. I appreciate them when you give them to me. I really do. But I don't need gifts because I am so dead set on buying what I want. The best way to gift me is give me little things. My mom gave me a really sweet, um, I don't know if it was Christmas or birthday gift. Little cashews, T-shirt. She know I like the rose chocolate. Just little, little stuff. Stuff that you always like because it's comforting to you. But I don't need anybody to get me any gifts because what I want, I will do all kind of stuff to go get what I want. I'm not even going to tell you some of the stuff I do to get what I want. So so gifts, giving me a gift is not something that I feel like, oh, I need. I'm good. I'm good. All right, let's keep it moving. Those are the 12. Did you get all 12 um, marriage killers? You got, you got them? Okay. Uh, yes, sir. Hold on, hold on, give him the mic.
4: What if you uh you get married and you and you have uh you have adult children involved in the marriage and uh your wife doesn't want you to say ever say anything or discipline the uh the adult child. But there's things that need to be corrected, but no, it's never corrected. Okay.
3: So at some point in time, that got to be some pillow talk. At some point in time, there's going to have to be some pillow talk. And I would start with the pillow talk with, you know how much I love you. Because you know, at the pillow talk, you, you know, that can come out a little easier than any other time. Telling them you love them at the pillow talk, that, that just slips right out. So at the pillow talk, honey, you know how much I love you. And you you just mean everything to me. And I would do whatever I have to do to make you happy, and I will be your protector all the days of my life. And when I drop that on you, you're probably saying, because again, it's, it's 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 pillow talk. So I'm saying all that, you're responding something like, I know you love me, baby. I know you'll do anything for me, babe. And so that's what's going back and forth. I'm telling you how good I want to be to you. And you're just eating it up. Yeah, I know you. I know you are, babe. And so now you then you slide it in. So the share you slide it in, you say. So just understand this. If I ever have to correct the children who are adults right now, you know, I'm doing out of love. You know, I love you too much to hurt anything that's connected to you. So, you know, if I'm doing any correctness because it's warranted and I'm here to be the protector of this family. And so I need you to trust me a little bit more on that. You know, when I do my discipline stuff after I'm done, you and I can meet privately and you let me know if I did okay or what you thought about it or if you were uncomfortable with it. But give me a chance to work that out, because. I care too deeply for you for that to allow anything to ever hurt you or hurt our children. And so let me just work on that a little bit because that's the right thing. So you got to pillow talk that one through. That one got to keep getting talked about, pillow talk about, that's very important. Yes. Okay. So getting married too young, a lot of times, you, you don't even, there's a lot of things you don't know. You're just young to things. You're not developed. Uh, you don't even know about yourself enough, right? And so because of those things, you, you, you can't It's hard to satisfy somebody when you don't even know what to do to satisfy yourself. Matter of fact, there's a lot of marriages that are struggling because one of the spouse or both of the spouse do not know what makes them satisfied, do not know what makes them happy. So no matter how much the other one does, it never works because they don't know what makes them happy. So when you're young, you don't know what makes you happy. And you can't lead anybody. You can't take anybody anyplace. And it it's just it's so much to being young that uh it it can be a, a big trouble. Um brother Sharp and then brother brother um Daryl.
0: And with all due respects to what brother Daryl is saying, young couple,
4: they got married. They're saying we're husband and wife, they're pretty young, they don't know, and they don't want to seek counselling from like the past their counselor because they are young they're saying we're husband and wife we are married they think just like sister is saying, they think we know it all we have it going on but remember just like you're saying they're young they don't know what's around the corner and they don't know with all due respect they don't know never make a decision in a bad mood Thank you, Brother Sharp. I I was actually married when I was young. I wanted so to hear I from I him. I, d- I knew exactly uh, what, what, what you were talking about. You don't know the lo- love languages. Uh, I got married, I was young, we had a child, had a house had so many things and we di- and we didn't have God and actually my first wife was actually searching for God and I wasn't I was still still living in the world worried about the things of the world and uh just looking back on that experience is like a, it was the it was the wrong decision completely wrong decision so we we there was counseling there was people that was involved but it's like I'm I'm a man I didn't want to listen to that And uh, looking back,
3: it's like I was I was immature. Yep. And and remember, for for boys, it's worse than for girls. I mean, boys are so immature. I mean, you know, I I tell a lot of girls most of the times try to marry someone um, that's probably five years older than you. I tell girls that all the time. I said, because the, the guy that's your age when you marry him and you guys are young, he is so immature. <laughs> I'm serious. It's a fact. Women, you know that. And so you need somebody a little bit older than you because that's probably when you sync up together um, in harmony as far as maturity. But if you marry a woman, someone that's your age, you'll find out you are a whole lot more mature than he is if you're the same age. I am going to say, I'm just, I'm, I, I am going to say, and I might be cheating a little bit, but just from what I know about scripture, I would say, I would say 30 is the best time to get married. It's probably, that's probably where you start at 30. Now I've known a lot of people that get married way younger than that, but if it was up to me, I would recommend the people you don't get married till you're about 30. It's just me. You know why? Public ministry never started Till you was thirty, back in the old time days. And in order for, to, for you to have uh, good good marriage relations, there are things that you um, you need to grow up and understand. And in order to be effective in public ministry, you need to be married. Now, I know some people might say, hey, "What about? Don't tell me about the the few. Let's go with the majority." And in order to be effective in leading in ministry or doing marriage helps you because remember remember the church and christ is the example of what a marriage is supposed to be with a man and woman remember that so if 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 you are married and you are serving the lord living for the lord you have something to compare to know where you are your marriage your relationship with you and christ how does that work and you can help yourself being effective and being married so i know people get married before 30 but i think um young being married young is probably anything under 30 that's just me that's just me now for for many more people i know 25 is probably a good age and you know the bible says it's best to marry than to burn so i understand people get they 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 married because they don't want to burn because they don't want to keep on doing the wrong things i get all of that but I think that if you do it the right way, if you think about this, I don't think I'm too off, but if you think normally you go to college, right, you're supposed to graduate when you're 22 from college, right? And so now that you're graduated, don't you want to kind of get your, your career going, know where you are, right? And so you get your career going. So so now uh, you have a career going and you're learning about it. It takes you about three to five years to become good at your career. So now we're talking about 28, 29, close to 30 before you get real good at your career. So that, so I'm still where I am. I think 30 is the age. I think anything under 30, you could be, you know, a lot of chance. A lot, a, 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 you need a lot of prayer. You need to submit to God and 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 the authority in your life. In order to be successful under 30. Because remember what I said. When Eve came on the scene. The man had a job. He had a goal. He had a responsibility. He had a mission. So God brought her to him. While his life was established. And he knew what he was doing. A man shouldn't get married. If he don't know what he's doing. And I don't think a man gets to know. What he's doing. Till he hit about 30. Just me. Now, I know if you compare that with all the times, I, I'm, 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 I'm too old for, you know, when, when I'm saying 30, because it should be a whole lot younger than that. But I think 30, because I think that's when you really, if you follow the normal development of life, I think you finally are at a place where, okay, you understand some things. You, you, you have an education. You have a career going. You've learned some things in your career. And so now you, you, you're able to bring somebody into your life to say, okay, here's what I'm doing. Here's what we can do. And and work together to build something together. Brother Izzy.
1: What you're saying is this, right, because and you're right and statistics prove it. Is that when young people get married, they haven't individually uh, established the uh, the world experience. And then when they get married, that's why they get divorced so early. Because once they get it's like getting in the box and you can't know how to way to get out, you get out. The
3: quickest way you can. Now I'm gonna tell you what their um 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 response would be to what we're saying, we can grow together. That that's what they're gonna tell you, we can grow together. I hear that, and that can have some benefits to it. But probably what you're going to experience is a lot of more pain, a lot more uh, struggle when you get married before 30, a lot more struggle, a lot more pain because you're, you, you don't really know a whole lot. But when you have experienced some things and both of you have experienced some things and you come into a life together, now you, you have an opportunity to do something. So let me move on to the marriage builders. I don't keep you here all day. I mean, I love this interaction. Um, the three marriage builders that were, that we're going to talk about today were taken from a poll given to more than 600 husbands and wives who have long and successful marriages. They agreed to speak openly. I like this old timers agreed to speak openly to the, to the younger generation about the concept and method that have worked in their marriages. A wise person learn from other people's mistake. A wise person learn from other people's mistake. I never forgot when my firstborn said to me, I was so livid. When he said, I gotta make my own mistakes too, dad. I was so livid because I knew that If you have an opportunity to learn from your parents, why would you want to make their mistake that they made and say, I got to learn on my own, too? That's so silly. Look at them and say, "Mm, okay. hear what they're saying and say, "Mm, okay, and make sure you don't repeat that so you can be ahead of the game. Why would you want to have this? Why would you want to run at the same pace your parents ran at? It, it it's 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 like a relay and if and if and and when they run and they pass the baton to you, you're supposed to go faster because they have paved the way for you why you wanna go backwards it makes so they're always talking about they're always talking about let me make my own mistakes. I'm like that's silly <laughs> that that is silly. When when the when the children do that do
2: that. I agree with that,
0: Pastor. Um I've had um, my son say the same thing to me <laughs> and you realize that it's really maturity. Yes. And I'm like, and you know, to say stuff like that and then you wanna b- get married <laughs> you know, you realize you realize the level of maturity that yes. they have when they say things like that. And, you know, even for, like you said, for boys, I do agree. I didn't know boys were that behind until I have boys.
3: They're they're
2: years.
0: (laughs) Years behind,
3: That's why I said that five-year gap, because they just, they got to catch up to the girls, man. And so, but, but I I don't know. We just got to keep on letting them know, you don't have to learn from your mistakes. Learn from ours. Learn from ours. You don't have to learn from yours. The advice these elderly... Uh, offered is not new, but it certainly represents a great place to begin. In attempting to learn to be great at something, you have to start with the fundamentals. You cannot be great at anything if you don't know the fundamentals. The fundamentals are those initial steps from which everything else will later develop. And this is where these three marriage builders come from. These 600 husbands and wives offered numerous suggestions that they feel made their marriage a success, but these three basic elements appeared over and over as they were interviewed. So let me begin by starting with the third marriage builder. So I'm going to do third, second, and first. The third marriage builder Is communication. The third marriage builder is communication. The third recommendation by this panel of 600 husbands and wives represent a basic ingredients or ingredient of good marriage. If you leave communication out of a marriage, it would be like leaving the electrical wiring out of a house. Just walking around the house, you wouldn't notice anything was wrong. But when you need light, then you would realize the house isn't as functional as it looked without the electrical wiring, which brings power to the lights. So no communication is like a house with wiring. It looks... Like, it's normal and functionable. No light. hmm Dr. James Dobson says, a lot of focus must be placed on the man on this particular marriage builder because he is more prone to keep his feelings inside. Women and men When you listen to any kind of instruction, teaching, listen to it by saying, how can I let this work for me? Because hearing me say that it's really important in a man's life more than it is a woman because men tend to keep their feelings inside, back to pillow talk. Use pillow talk women to draw him out a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Use pillow talk to get him to communicate more, to express himself more, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. So it takes giving on the man's part, to open his heart and share his deeper feelings with his wife. These 600 husbands and wives said that time must be reserved for meaningful conversations. You have to have meaningful conversations. And so to have meaningful conversations, it must be a time set aside to do so and not just, oh, by the way, they said, Taking walls, taking walks, and going out to breaks and riding bicycles on Saturday mornings are conversation inducers that keep love alive. Taking walks, going out for breakfast, and riding bicycles. You've always hear, well, maybe you don't always hear, but I always hear people say some of the best deals were made on a golf course. Because you go and you, 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 you shoot 18 holes, and that could be anywhere between three and six hours, depending on how fast you play. So that's three to six hours. You can be on a golf course with a group of guys or gals or mix. Um, and, and so in, in those that kind of time period, you get to talk a lot. You get to uh, experience a lot with each other. And so th- that's time well spent where you can do things. So For people that you hear saying, I'm going to play golf, a lot of them, yeah, they love the sport, but a lot of them also use it as an opportunity to communicate. So when you want to communicate, schedule the time, set some time aside. After we're married for a few years, it's easy to forget what brought us together in the first place. When you were dating, you used to actually talk about things. Uh huh. When you're dating, you talked about school. You talked about the future. You talked about church or family. You talked about what you like and what you didn't like. So when, you're, when you used to date, you used to have a whole lot of conversation. Some of us have fell asleep on the phone talking to the person that we claim we love. On the phone, fall asleep. You had conversation. Always had Conversation. You always wanted to be around each other. You always wanted to go places. And sometimes some of the places you went, it wasn't anything special. It was never about the place. It was always about who you were with. And that's how we used to be before we got married. Uh Uh-huh. And so you walk down the aisle and you say, I do. And those are the last words she hear you say other than what's for dinner. No bueno, not good. You you got to you got you to gotta go back to the conversations you used to have. Fall asleep on the phone. go to places that wasn't special but you just went cuz you want to go for a walk. And so without communication the marriage begins to suffer. And many times the couples doesn't realize what happened and they think they just married the wrong person or this person changed. But the fact of the matter is you just cut out one of the basic of a strong marriage and that is communication. There is not closeness like when you used to talk and listen. There is not that bond between you like when you talk and listen. You've got to understand that a great marriage is built on several basic elements. And if you remove any one of those elements, then you will experience that weakness in your relationship. But pastor, we communicate, but we just don't agree. I hear that one all the time. I've heard that one a lot. We communicate. We just can't agree. Every time we set out to communicate, we start arguing. Well, listen to Dr. Dobson's advice. Change that which can be altered. So whatever is going on in your communication, look what can be altered and change it. If it's possible to be altered, change it because it's a problem. Maybe it's the way you approach your spouse every time it's time to talk. I prefer, this is just me, but I'm just trying to show you how you can change something, alter something, change something that can be altered. If you say to me, we need to talk, I'm not comfortable, and you're not going to get the best of me. But if you just kind of get me random, you're getting the best of me. Because I'm naturally a talker, I'm naturally just free flowing in my conversation. But the moment you say we need to talk, my mind starts. You see what I'm saying? So, so, so if 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 that's how you approach having a conversation with your spouse all the time, and it and and it becomes an argument, maybe it's because you started making them feel uncomfortable already. In the way you said it, we need to talk. Anytime you say we need to talk, either spouse, tense. They're ready, dupes up, ready to protect, ready to defend. That don't go anywhere. So maybe you need to change that. Maybe you need to change that approach. Explain that which can be understood. You got to explain things sometimes. Me, I over-explain, probably. My wife, right. I get on their nerves because I over explain. But explain that which could be understood. So try to find common ground and try to explain stuff better. Teach that which can be learned. Sometimes it's not going to be what you say. It's going to be what you do. So sometimes just don't say anything. Just do it so your spouse can learn from it. Revise that which can be improved. So if you have something going on that can be improved upon, look at it and see what you can improve. A lot of people are improving their homes. You know, home improvement is strong right now. Okay. How did they arrive to that? They looked around and saw some things that they could improve. So they're improving it. Well, the same thing in your marriage. Look around in your marriage. What can be improved and improve upon it? Resolve that which can be settled. There are things that are unsettled in your marriage. Get it resolved. Can I tell you this real quick? We have to learn how to forgive. People that's been married a long time, marriage that still, it should be better. Let me say it this way. Your marriage probably should be better, and it's not better because there's unforgiveness in the marriage. That is ridiculous. If our marriage is supposed to be mimicking the relationship between Christ and the church, I don't see how we can hold our spouse hostage in not forgiving them for something. And there's a lot of unforgiveness in marriages. And until that gets you're going to always have a hard time. Because God is holding you accountable for not forgiving. And so if you're not in that place where you are forgiving someone, then maybe there's some stuff in your life, unforgiveness in your life, and it's not going anywhere, and and it's choking you. Yes, sir. You sir. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you what I heard the other day. I read it. I didn't hear it. I read this the other day. This is important. This is important. Got to hear me out. Forgiveness is not restoration. So when you forgive someone, what you're doing is you're giving them a brand new slate to just Make things right or better. So, Izzy punched me in the face. I forgive Izzy. But if Izzy really want to be right, he will do his best to treat me in a way to make me have confidence in him again that he really likes me. But I will also give him room constantly to do that. For example, he punched me in the face. I say, I forgive you. And he's doing his best to try to make up. So whenever he sees me, he, hey, hey, or he gives me a gift. And, and, but, but here is me. I forgive you. But I see him running over. Let me hide from Izzy because I don't even want to deal with him. That ain't good, and that's what a lot of us do. I forgive you, but I don't want to have anything to do with you. And that's not what God did with us. God forgave us and gave us the opportunity to continue to be restored back to our rightful place in him. So when you forgive someone, I don't know if you will ever forget it, but what I do know is, You give the person the opportunity to keep on doing what they have to do to make things good with you two again. Yes, ma'am.
4: I would like to ask a question. What if the person is in denial that they did it and you're telling them that they did it, but they're in denial. But you forgive them, but they would never say that they did it and they would
3: never say I'm sorry. Sometimes some of it needs some counseling. You you want me to tell you something that I've discovered about counseling and people don't really realize the truth about counseling? A lot of times here is the story with counseling. You need an unbiased listener. A lot of times counseling really means I need an, an unbiased listener. Because when you speak, you speak biasly. And when your spouse speaks, they speak unbiased. They speak biasly. Both of you speak in a biased sense because you can only speak from your emotions, from your experience. So both people are speaking about the subject in a biased way. So even though you might think you're not biased, you probably is biased. Because that's all you can be. A lot of times, not that's all you can be, but a lot of times that's how we are. So a lot of times what you need is a counselor to sit in between you and listen with an unbiased ear. Say again. We'll get to the third. We'll get to the third um, marriage builder, and that that third marriage builder is going to be what help everybody. All right. But but we need counselors not because we're stupid, not because we're idiots, not because we don't know the scripture. We need counselors. Remember. Only God counsels with himself. Go through all scripture. Not one person counseled themselves. They needed a counselor. Because we all see things from our own bias. So you only need a counselor most of the times to be an unbiased ear. And they can share with you what's really being said without any bias. Create the best marriage possible from the raw materials brought by two imperfect human beings with two distinctly un- unique personality. We have to realize that both of us are flawed and the way we're going to create a, a great marriage is by using the raw material. We are raw material. Why? Because we are not complete in him. So we're all raw material. And that, again, to me. Is why I always say, be transparent, communicate, do what you got, because we're raw material. And from the moment someone starts to posture like they are not raw material, in my mind, I'm shaking my head because I'm like, are you kidding me? We're both flawed. And so we're going to stay in this marriage and work it out because we're both flawed. Don't think that you can ever smooth out all the rough edges. Don't think that all the difficulties can be rid of. But if you communicate, you can keep the channels of understanding open. Listen to what the wise men of Proverbs said: "Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that geteth understanding." Proverbs three and thirteen. Fifty-four times Solomon says, "Get understanding," and so. We need to have good communication and that is marriage builder number 3. 3 I'm 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 doing 321. Marriage builder number 2. They have it here as committed love. But I disputed that by saying commitment is incorporated in love. So you can take that for whatever is worth to you. Committed love to me. I don't know if that's a word. Because when you say you love, commitment is involved in that. That's just me. Probably the word of God, too. Remember what I said the definition of love is. Because people always forget this. The definition of love is this. To do Whatever necessary to please the one you love. That word please could be for the good of the one you love. Because sometimes doing what pleased them, they probably don't enjoy it. (laughs) But love is to do whatever necessary. To please the one you love or to do good for the one you love. Where did you get that definition from, preacher? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You can focus on the give, but if you know the word of God, that give is different from a lot of give. That give meant I did whatever was necessary to take care of the debt that y'all owed. Because the invisible God became visible God. So what he went through, through the Virgin Mary, the process of being born into this world, the process he went through was what was necessary to save mankind. So when you think about love, you are supposed to do whatever is necessary to please the one you love. This is why love is a higher law than the law itself, because the law itself has limitations. Love don't have limitations. <laughs> The law has limitations, and what people do with the law is once they know it really good, they try to figure out how to get around the law. And this is why the the new covenant, you can call the new covenant love, as opposed to the old covenant law. Because the old covenant, people didn't have to get a relationship with God. Old covenant is, let me follow all the rules to get the benefit of following the rules. The new covenant is let me do this because I love let me do this because I love. Let me do that because I love. And that's how we're supposed to live for God. And we have twisted that to make it all other kind of things. We're supposed to be doing things because we love, not because I'm trying to get to heaven, not because I'm trying to follow some rules, not because I'm trying to get the blessings, not because I'm trying to get the reward. I am supposed to be doing it because I love. The Bible says, oh, no man, nothing but to love him or her. So because we are tasked with love, that's what we're supposed to be driven by. And so many of us are not driven by love. So love is to do whatever necessary to please the one you love. Committed love. The second suggestion made by the panel of 600 experts represent yet another back to basics concept. Love is braced against the inevitable storms of life. When love is involved, you will ride out any storm together. Love is not always how you feel. Because feelings comes from your flesh, your emotions, your desire. Love is something that you know and you do. Regardless of how you feel. Quiet. A lot of y'all are doing it. You probably probably don't realize you're doing it, but you're doing it. You're doing it, but because it don't feel good, you don't realize that you're doing it. (laughs) You know? You're still in your marriage. You're still trying to do the right thing, even though it don't always feel good. That's love. But because you've been trained and taught and, you know, the teachings that you hear usually make you think love means like you got to get that fuzzy feeling. That's what the young people don't know. That's why we say don't get married young, because they think love is the fuzzy feeling that I get when I think about you. Love is the funny feeling, the the fuzzy feeling of everything. And the bottom line is, it's not about the fuzziness. It's about the commitment. It's about doing whatever necessary to please the one you love. Remember, we talk about tough sayings. Jesus spoke of this inevitable when he said to his disciples, in this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world." That's John 16:33. So the bottom line is, oh man, I got to go in a second here. Don't run from your tribulations. Don't run from your situation because the bottom line is, why are you trying to be better than Jesus? He says, "I had tribulation, and I overcame it so what you you're not uh, uh, no you, you're just supposed to have a smooth life I'm the one that designed all of this I'm the one that brought all of this into existence, and I had tribulation, and you all think you're just supposed to just smooth sailing in stressing the importance of committed love, the panel was referring. Not only to the great tragedies of life, but also to the daily frustrations that wear and tear on a relationship. There's daily frustration. You live with anybody long enough, they're going to frustrate you. You're going to frustrate them. But that's part of it. But if you love them, you will just keep on trucking and keep on going. Mm -hmm. There are occasions when you feel as though your spouse will never love you again. hmm You have to make sure that this fundamental marriage builder called love is in your marriage or in you. So the days where they get on your nerves, the days where you feel like they don't love you, you still keep on going because you love them. There's a difference between love and infatuation. Infatuation is when you think he is as gorgeous as Denzel Washington or as funny as Eddie Murphy or as athletic as Michael Jordan. And as smart as Albert Einstein. That's infatuation. Love is when you realize that he is not as gorgeous as Denzel. Not as smart as Albert Einstein. Not as athletic as Michael Jordan. And nothing like Eddie Murphy in any category. But you say, I'll still take him. Mhm Josh McDowell said, "I believe two of the greatest fears people struggle with today are the fear that they will never be loved and the fear that they will never be able to love." People are seeking meaningful, intimate, and lasting relationships. I don't believe we have had a sexual revolution. Rather, I believe we have had experience, a revolution in search of intimacy. hmm So let me tell you, men, some good things that you can do that a woman likes to hear or good things you can say that a woman likes to hear. So man, again, I'm targeting us because we don't want to share our feelings. So here's some things that you can do that will demonstrate your love. You can say this to your wife. Put on your best dress. I'm taking you out for a surprise evening. (laughs) Man, she liked to hear that. Let's take a walk together, just the two of us. We can make it if we try. You missed that. I love your eyes and your ears too. You're the best wife a man could ever hope for. You are my best friend. Man, I'm giving you some words to tell them so they know you love them. When I think about you, I get warm feeling all over me. I am taking your car today for new tires because I love you and I want you to be safe when you drive. I am going to run an errand. Is there something I can get you while I'm out? Boy, I'm talking to myself too. It's just a little something I bought you to say, I love you. Those are some things that you can say. Very, very important. So, I'm going to close up here by sharing with you the number one marriage builder. The number one marriage builder. I gave you two. I gave you three. I gave you two, and now here is one. The number one marriage builder is a Christ centered home. Number one marriage builder, a Christ centered home. These 600 elderly men and women that are married shared this these are uh, uh christian folks that that have had great marriages and and a lot of questions was asked to them and as they begin to give answers these are the three main things that pop up that says it's a great marriage builder and i gave them to you three is communication two is love and one is a christ centered home Mm-hmm. If a husband and wife are deeply committed to Jesus Christ, they enjoy enormous advantages over the family with no spiritual dimension. First of all, you have the advantage of prayer. Husband and wife shall always pray together. That is very important. You know, I said I wanted to start this, and I met, and I missed it. I was at a Uh, last time I went away, I was in the class and one of the instructors, instructors said, when you pray, you and your spouse pray. We're normally used to praying together. He said, don't do it that way. He said, she prays and you stay quiet. Then you pray. And she stays quiet. He says, there's something that happens when you hear someone praying for you. It's different. It's different when you can just stand there, kneel there, lay there, whatever it is, and just listen to someone praying for you. And I said, I got to do that. So I'm telling you today, because I'm getting ready to start it up. Prayer together. But don't pray together, meaning don't pray at the same time. Let one go first, and then when that, uh, that one is done praying, the other one go and pray. So that's how you want to pray for one another. So when we're talking about a Christ-centered home and husband and wife praying, we need to start praying like that. She prays, then man, you pray. What a concept. Prayer. No appointment needed. You just go and pray. Another advantage of having Christ in our marriage, we always have direction in our relationship. So when we are both living for Christ, we have direction in our relationship. If we're struggling with each other, we can go to the word of God for direction. It will help us forgive if we're holding grudges. It will help us love when we don't feel like loving. It will help us control our temper when we feel out of control. Mm -hmm. The word of God provides direction. God gives us a proper perspective of life when we are living a Christ centered life and we live. That way in our homes and outside of our homes. Our world is full of give me more, never satisfied people. But Paul's word help us to understand that God is in control or our blessings, no matter what level of blessing it is. First Thessalonians 5 and 18 and everything give thanks for this is the will of God. Philippians 4 and 11. I have learned in whatsoever state I am there would be content. Another advantage for having a Christ centered marriage, the principles of God's word bring fulfillment. Love like one could never know and purpose in our marriage. When your marriage is built on a Christ centered marriage, committed love, and communication, you will have a strong marriage. So, your three marriage builders that you want to apply in your marriage. Is communication, or let me go the right way now, is a Christ-centered home, right? Committed love and communication. If you can put those three together and work on them in your marriage, you will have a strong marriage. You will have a, a lasting marriage. You will have a marriage That will be an example to all and you will have a marriage that will be, that you will experience fulfillment in. If we will get those three things to take place in our marriage, a Christ-centered marriage, which we demonstrate in our homes and outside of our homes, committed love that we demonstrate one to another, and communication. You can count on all of these and you will be in store for a long and happy marriage. Amen. Any other comments, thoughts, or questions before we go? So some of the questions that i tell you, wait a little bit. Like, I think you mentioned something, Josephine. And and so, if we will begin to exercise a christ-centered mindset and relationship then we will really get to understand how it can work for us so sometimes just whatever the struggle is in your in your marriage it's by practicing applying christ-centered behavior that will allow us to really overcome some of those things but we can't just think about them we can't just kind of Discuss them some things we got to leave alone and just kind of do the things that are Christ centered and as we're doing the things that are Christ centered it will flow over and then it will begin to correct some of the things that we want to see corrected because we're living out that Christ centered life and so that's what will happen for us if we will bring that Christ centered lifestyle in the home so we're praying for one another Um, We're trusting the word of God. We're always looking to what is our our goal in Christ, which should be to be complete in him. You know, all of that have to do with where did God place us to be complete in him? What is God doing in our life right now? Those are things that will help us to be going in the same direction. So the Christ centered home, Christ centered marriage. Is really powerful because some things you will not be able to say to your spouse and it go any further and do anything. And the only way things will change is by doing the Christ centered things in your home and in your marriage. And then you'll begin to see changes take place. And that's how you get it done because just saying it, getting upset about it, usually it won't change anything. But if we're doing things that are Christ centered, Then we will begin to see some changes that otherwise wouldn't happen. Any comment, any thoughts, any questions? All right. Lord, we thank you today for your word. We thank you, Lord, for speaking to our hearts. Lord, as you know, these days that I pray, these last few days that I've been praying, Lord, it's just incumbent upon me to say, Help us to take inventory of our life. And Lord God, the things that we're hearing show us how we can implement them in our life. For Lord, I know it's not your will that we continue to learn. We continue to hear the word of God. And Lord, all it is is just intellectual information. But God, I know truly your word is transformational your power lord god working with the word of god in our life can transform our lives can can help us lord god to grow and be complete in you i ask that every word that's been spoken here today according to your will that lord it will go into our hearing into our heart it will take root and begin to grow and produce good fruit i pray father that great change will come to us individually collectively and lord that we will experience a marriage that's built on godly communication built on love and built on a christ-centered life i pray in the name of jesus that you will help us lord to do the things that make our marriages successful, that make our marriages fulfilling, that make our marriages impactful, that make our marriages a joy. I pray, Father, that you'll strengthen our marriages. Help us, Lord, to know how to communicate with one another. Show us, Lord, how we must love one another. Help us, Almighty God, to be Christ-centered in all our ways. I pray today that your will be done in us and upon us Lord God and that we will grow in you that you may oh truly Lord God receive joy from our life I pray and ask you these things in Jesus name amen God bless you thank you for your time and being patient have a wonderful day